Welcome to Dead Wax 78s. I'm your host, Sean, and this is a podcast where we're going to talk about all things gramophone, phonograph, old-timey records, 78s to be exact, and, you know, dead artists, old music history. So stay tuned. First, I'd like to have a bit of a shout-out. Let me introduce the Canadian Antique Phonograph Society. Now, in August 1970, phonograph collector John Steffen of Oshawa sent a letter to all prospective phonograph enthusiasts in Ontario, from Kingston to London, inviting them to join with him to form a society known simply as the Phonograph Club. After its inaugural meeting on October 17th, the name was changed almost immediately to the Phonograph and Record Society to reflect the interests of collectors of records as well as phonographs. By 1975, the name had become the Antique Phonograph Society, and in 1985, the Canadian Antique Phonograph Society, or CAPS, to fully encompass collectors across the country. Now, if you enjoy phonographs, old-timey music, they are a wealth of information. They meet regularly, and the topics cover everything. Now, if you want to find them, they're at capsnews.org, or you can find them on Facebook by just searching for the Canadian Antique Phonograph Society. Now, on with the show. Now, here's a story from the Canadian Antique Phonograph Society's wonderful archive of old articles. It's The History of the Compo Company, Part 1, and the article was written by Stephen C. Barr in 1984. The Canadian phonograph record industry was like many Canadian industries, primarily a subsidiary operation of U.S. and, to a lesser extent, British firms. From 1924, when the gradual takeover of the Berliner operation by the Victor Talking Machine Company became final. Until the post-war appearance of firms, both independent and Canadian, there was only one Canadian firm in the record business. It was the Herbert Berliner's Compo Company. The firm was founded by Herbert Berliner, son of the inventor of the disc gramophone and previously vice president of the Berliner operation in Montreal. In late 1918 and early 1919, several of the U.S. independent firms began pressing lateral cut records, an action later vindicated by the courts who established that the essential patents on the lateral record had expired. At this time, Herbert Berliner, noting that the Fanola firm was in a position to issue U.S. OK records under their own label, and no doubt foreseeing that other independent firms in the U.S. would be seeking similar arrangements, and surely noting, as well, that the expanding Victor firm would be unwilling to allow too much independence to its Canadian connection, began making preparations to enter the record manufacturing field. 
So in early 1919, the Compo Company began operations, at first pressing OK Masters from the Fanola label, and shortly thereafter pressing Gannett Records for the Star Piano Company's Canadian subsidiary. Both phonograph firms had previously imported records. Herbert Berliner left his father's firm to serve as president of the Compo firm. Originally, all Fanola records were identical to their OK equivalent, under the same numbers, while the Canadian Gannett were identical to their American counterparts. Berliner had further plans, however. In May 1921, the new Sun label was announced, accompanied in September by the more familiar Apex label. The two labels drew from both OK and Gannett Records, as well as Compo's own studios, inaugurated in July 1921. Here's side one. Apex Records, Billy Jones, Kiss Me Again. bunch of delight, but Susie stuttered so much it's true, it took her half an hour to murmur, I love you. When the clock was striking nine, he'd give her a parting kiss, but he never got away till the break of the day, and the reason was simply this, for every time he tried to say goodnight, he'd say, kick, 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 kiss me again. Every time he made for the door, she'd say, kick, 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 kiss me some more. There he'd stand, hat in hand, trying to escape in vain. But every time he tried to say goodnight, she'd say to Georgie to turn out the light and come back and cuddle me tight and kick, 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 kiss me again. Georgie cried, boony-eyed, tell me little popsy wop that you'll be my bride. So he proposed on the first of May, she didn't finish saying yes till Christmas Day. In the parlor they would spoon, till they heard the milkman call. But since he gave her the ring, it's a marvelous thing that he ever goes home at all. For every time he tried to say goodnight, she'd say, kick, 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 kiss me again. Every time he made for the door, she'd say, kick, 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 kiss me some more. There he'd stand, hat in hand, trying to escape in vain. But every time he thought he wouldn't go far, she'd say, Georgie, sister, stay where you are, for you still got time to catch, catch the last car and kick, 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 kiss me again. They got wed, and it said they were both delighted after 12 months had fled. A little stranger came into town. They took it to be christened by old Parson Brown. When he asked them baby's name, she said with a smile serene, it's wa-wa-wa-wa-woe. Well, before she was through, that young baby had turned 16. For every time he tried to say goodnight, he'd say, kick, 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 kiss me again. 
Every time he made for the door, she'd say, kick, 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 kiss me some more. There he'd stand, hat in hand, trying to escape in vain. But every time he tried to leave his pet, she'd say, to Georgie, don't go yet. For these are the only cuddles I get, so kick, 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 kiss me again. In 1922, another source of material was arranged. This was the Plaza Music Company of New York, who issued Banner and Regal Records, first using materials from the New York Recording Laboratories and later their own masters. The original plan appears to have been to issue all series on various labels, but this occurred for only a short time. The Sun label was dropped entirely to be revived in 1931, and the Star Gannett label, replacing the Canadian Gannett label, issued only Gannett and Compo Masters. On Apex, the Gannett sides were used. A number of short-lived client labels were pressed, usually for phonograph firms such as Hectrola, Hydrola, Operaphone, and the like, using various numbers from all series, Shortly after the introduction of Apex Records, the Fanola firm left the record business entirely. In 1923, apparently as a reply to the successful National Music Lovers firm, selling records by mail order, the short-lived Canadian Music Lovers Library label appeared. About two dozen records were issued. However, judging from their relative scarcity, the venture was nowhere near as successful as the American counterpart. It was not yet known if Compo pressed the records for some imaginative entrepreneur or if the venture was a Compo project. Here's side two. Vernon Delhart, When the Moon Shines Down Upon the Mountain, Lucky Strike Records.
like to me the place I used to dwell, one I love so well, where I used to dwell, and someone who's always stuck to me through thick and thin, I'll be coming back to her again, when the moon shines down upon the mountain, she'll be waiting underneath its light, like a whippoorwill sings in the valley. From 1920 onwards, there had been a number of experiments with electrical recording. Compa was involved in this as well, and their electrically made sides actually appeared before the better known issues from Columbia and Victor. The actual honor of being first was gained by a small Chicago-based autograph firm who sold records made electrically, albeit abysmally, in 1924. These early compo electric sides may well explain why Victor's Canadian subsidiary promoted the orthophonic process from its inception, unlike their American mentors. At the end of 1924, the use of Jeanette Masters was virtually dropped, apparently due, at least in part, to poor sales. The star name was maintained with its Jeanette subcredit deleted, the star name would continue into the late 1940s, long after the parent firm itself left the record business. It was apparently restricted primarily to Quebec, with French language material appearing. The later appeared also under the Apex name, apparently for U.S. sale to the French-Canadian population in New England. Here's side three, Star Records, 1927, Odile Rochon, S'il n'aime pas sa mère. Pour jeune fille à qui l'on fait la cour, à qui l'on jure d'éternel serment. Espérez-vous qu'il vous aime toujours, celui qui n'a pas aimé sa maman, il n'aime pas sa mère, c'est qu'il n'a pas de cœur. Comment pourrait-il faire? Bonheur, il fait couler des larmes. 
Gardez-vous bien d'en prendre un pour époux Qui pour sa mère n'a pas de respect Car bientôt la vie ne serait pour vous Que des illusions, larmes et regrets Il n'aime pas sa mère il n'a pas de cœur Comment pourrait-il faire Un jour votre bonheur S'il fait couler tes larmes Des yeux de sa maman practice of Compo produced some extremely rare items. It was the manufacture of several labels during the 1924-1927 period for export to Australia and New Zealand. Labels include Palings, Leonora, and Beda. The later two using usual Compo issue numbers. Canadian Star Records were apparently exported as well. Finally, an Late 1924, the first of a bewildering array of cut-price labels under the name of Domino appeared. This was related minimally, if at all, to the similarly named U.S. label, although both drew primarily from Plaza. In 1925, the Microphone label and the Lucky Strike label appeared. It is possible that one or both of these were intended for a store chain. Meanwhile, Campo had made an eventually unsuccessful effort to enter the race record market in the U.S. for unknown and hardly explained reasons with the Ajax label. This produced a number of records highly valued by collectors, but no particular success. From 1925 until 1929, Campo issued Apex Star Domino, Microphone, and Lucky Strike Records. While the lower-priced labels used an amazing variety of assigned identities, the pseudonyms of vocalists were often, although not always, consistent, while the pseudonyms of orchestras appeared to be chosen at random. The majority of the material originated with the U.S. Plaza firm, and these records appear today to have sold the best. Other material was obtained from Autograph, OK, Jeanette, and possibly other sources. Compo also enjoyed a tie-in with Pathé from about 1925 to 1928, when Pathé joined the Cameo firm. Pathé did not use electrical recordings until 1927, and many of the 1926 sides were in fact recorded in Campo's New York studios and issued simultaneously on Pathé and Campo labels. 
since Campo had been using electrical recording since 1925. Here's side four, Pathé Records, Arthur Fields, we're all going calling on the Kaiser. Thank you for listening. This has been Dead Wax 78s, and I'm Sean. And you know what? I'll catch you on the flip side.